Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a small business owner, investor, work in improv, work in process improv artist, definitely neurotic and always looking for something interesting and new to entertain me. I'm a TV host and your host for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production where they offer free mentorship help for every everything from mental health to resume writing, you name it, they help with it. They have over 500 mentors around the world and they're here to help, dweebsglobal.org. So I'm here today with Matt State. Matt's first scenes consisted of being a bouncer and a painter. He is now a TikTok specialist, social media specialist, martial artist, and a writer. So welcome, Matt. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yes, and I did I say your last name right? I always have to check that. Yeah, State, yeah, straight say it as it's spelled yes okay perfect perfect i know before we started filming i was asking you about the painter because you had called yourself a decorator and i was very confused <laughs> yeah yeah there's a slightly different difference in the terminology between the us and the uk right <laughs> so not an interior decorator you're a house you're more of like a house painter and yeah yeah it was a house painter yeah so uh, i would i would be one of those people that would um that would be part of the conveyor belt of building new properties so they build it, I paint it, somebody would move in and that, and then we do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work. That's very hard work. It's very, it's manual labor, very time intensive. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very, very hard work. It was, we used to do a thing called price work. Um, so basically what that meant is you get paid per unit, per building. And if you took a week or a month, you'd still get paid exactly the same. So you ended up having very few breaks and working basically as hard as you could for as long as you could on a daily basis but uh, but but in those days I was young and fit very vibrant a lot of energy you know able to sustain that I'm not sure that that's the life I'd want to be leading you know as a 50 60 year old guy that wouldn't be as uh, wouldn't be as fun at all right your knees wouldn't like you yeah <laughs> at least in my case my knees wouldn't like me oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely. how would that work though if you were if they were paying you a certain amount would you look at the piece of property you're about to paint and be like, is that worth the time? Like, I know it's going to take me. Come yeah, on. essentially, that's that's what would happen. Yeah, the, the they would give you a what they thought was a valuation on the work, and you would either accept it or not, depending on whether you thought you could bring it in in that time scale. Um, like every other sort of role, you got very good at specific things, and so that was a niche in itself. I.e., going into a brand new build house and being able to just knock it out and get it done in a in a, in a quick quick amount of time. So. I mean, I'd do that all over the country, day in, day out for, for, for a, good, a good few years. That was kind of my life. And then that, plus the training as well, um, you know, very active, very physical. And but like I said, I was lucky enough at that point to be able to, to be able to do all of that. Right, right. It was the right time in your life. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So where were you at the time or where were you from? Well, I'm based in the UK and I was originally born in a small town in South Wales which is absolutely lovely, fantastic part of the world, but really not a lot going on. So I was, uh, like a lot of young men, I was, I was attracted to the bright lights in the big city and, and all the excitement and, uh, and things that went on there. So I ended up drifting over to Bristol, which is a, a pretty big city on the south, in the southwest of the UK. Really, really great music scene, great nightlife, great entertainment. Um, lots of pretty girls and when you're a young man pretty girls are, are, are a good attraction um they're, so, dri they're a driving force they are absolutely. <laughs> so i find myself you know, finding myself over in bristol there and then like i said i traveled a lot with regards to work both with both with the decorating and the security so 
Um, and so, yeah, it was it was hugely entertaining time. So what type of security did you supply? Well, that was everything really right across the board. So everything from working in nightclubs and bars and dealing with that side of things through to events and corporate dues. And uh, so we do music concerts, sport things, uh, and then right through then to actually close protection work. So looking after famous people through to some bailiff work. So, so um, collecting debts, um, having to deal with people squatting on land, that sort of thing. So uh, a huge raft of stuff right across over a, a good number of years. Wow. Uh, so collecting debts, I guess this was legally a legal job or was it, were you working for mobsters? <laughs> uh, well, actually, there was a little bit of both going on at one stage, which I did talk about uh, in, in, in one of my books. It was a simple case of at the time you have to do what you have to do to get by. And so that's really where that was. But the but I know I used to work for actual bailiff companies. I used to train bailiff companies. So, yeah, that was all legal above board. And, and that was court appointed collections. OK, what was more difficult, the above board or below board? Uh, well, the below board actually was great because I didn't actually do a thing. I just used to wander around looking menacing in the background. Um, <laughs> and that was that was the highlight of, of, of what I did with that. But that that was something that I touched on. I didn't do it for a great deal of time, the, the sort of that kind of scene. Um, but it was an interesting thing to do, if you like. So I don't uh, it's not something I'm proud of. But in the same vein, it's not something that I'm going to dismiss, because, as I said, period of period in your life where sometimes you just got to do what you need to do to get through it. Gotcha. Can you give us a menacing look? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. I seem to have lost it. That's going to say here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I had what they... I mean, I, I won't swear, but I had what they called an, an F off face. Um, and I, I just naturally settle that way. And so um, when I'm having to deal with the public during that kind of work, it would literally be one of two things. I'd either be smiling like Miss World which, which got a bit wearing for everybody. Um, or I would have this, this face on that basically just said, go away, I don't want to talk to you. There's no, there's no middle ground. <laughs> got you. Well, you've, you've, in, as you've gotten older, you definitely don't have that settled in <laughs> menacing face that <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> or camera I, angle. <laughs> I, I've, um, I've mellowed with age. I think yeah. that's <laughs> I've mellowed with age. There you go. Um, so uh, uh, collecting debts, uh, I, I'm assuming you've, you've had some pretty hard times with that. There had to have been people that were not happy to see you. Yeah, again, it's everything along the spectrum. So uh, there are stories where I can talk about the reason why I actually stopped, which was we were uh, sent to collect some money from a builder who'd had a very, very serious car accident. And he was actually bed bedridden at his mother's house he'd lost everything absolutely everything and I sat and I had a conversation with both him and his elderly mother and I just couldn't do it I, I just I just couldn't do it it was it was it was so easy to see how people could fall into those kind of poverty traps and end up that way mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be part of that the cog in that wheel however on the other side of the coin um occasionally we had to move groups of people on from land that were rightfully belonged to farmers and things and that and, and sometimes we had to go and collect things for businesses that had lost everything because people wouldn't pay their debts and so they, like everything it's not it's not straight black and white there's there was a lot of moral um searching during that time figuring out who i was and where i thought the world should be right no i i understand that you know i'm actually I'm actually in the pawn business, 
So oh, I own okay. a few pawn shops. People right. come, they'll, yeah, they'll get a loan on their collateral and then if they don't come to pick it up, they do lose their collateral. But we, you know, we're small mom and pop, so we'll help them out. We'll do whatever they can so they can keep their item. Yeah. Um, but if they didn't have us, then they'd probably be stuck in a situation uh, where they'd have to be doing, using their house and using uh, much larger items and much more important items to them, their, their necessities as their collateral. I'm saying that because I think they're trying to put us out of business in America right now. So it's, okay. uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of like, I, I could see that being the next avenue that they would go down. They'd be, they'd be stuck out of choices, so. Yeah, again, it's one of those, isn't it, where there's good and bad in everything. There are people that will take the mickey if you let them. But on the other side of the coin, there are people that are just genuinely trying to do the best they can for their family. And it's good to be able to help those if you can. Absolutely. Right. Right. Um, how about the bouncing at the clubs? How was, uh, I guess, throughout the night, I guess the beginning of the night, you probably had really nice people who <laughs> said hi, gave you five. And then the, the, the end of the night, I'm sure that got a little tougher. Um, yeah, I was told once that nothing ever good, uh, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Um, and and there's, a, there's an element in truth to that with regards to people would go out and they would have a good time. And then a lot of people would say, enough, enough, I've got to go back now. Babysitter's waiting or I've done what I want to do. I've had the night out and off they'll go. Uh, and then that really just leaves the the serious party people that that are quite happy to have a little bit of excess, shall we say. And that of course leads to all kinds of human emotions. So when you when you get in, in charge of a, a big building that is full to the rafters of people that are very sexually charged, they're very high energy, they're full of the substance of choice, whether that be alcohol or something else, then unfortunately, occasionally that does lead to a few people that, shall we say, uh, think the rules don't apply to them. Right. <laughs> well, I, were you training uh, in martial arts at the time that you were bouncing? Yeah, yeah, that's what sort of started the process. I, I, I was training and, and doing okay with that and winning some competitions and stuff and that. So it was almost a natural progression in that respect. Um, a lot of martial artists don't do that and a lot of bouncers don't do martial arts. So it's not it's not written in stone but it's it was a natural progression for me to do that but it it became very very clear quite earlier on that it's a completely different world with its own set of rules and and me telling people i had a black belt didn't actually make a blind bit of difference to their behavior <laughs> <laughs> no that did that didn't that didn't add to the intimidation <laughs> no 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 it didn't no um yeah it's a, it's a, it's a funny world that when people are how should we say full of themselves whether that be through drink or drugs or their peer group that they're with because nobody wants to lose face or that sort of thing then actually that can be seen as a, a red rag to a bull and actually create more trouble than it solves <laughs> i got you i remember going to the beach with a friend when we were younger and he was practicing his martial arts on, on the beach because it was late at night we weren't really doing anything i gotta tell you like he attracted so many hecklers and people that just wanted to start with him once they saw <laughs> Yeah, that does happen occasionally. That does happen. But but again, like with everything else, it's the small minority. And that's really what we were there for. The vast majority of people just want to have a great time and blow off some steam and, you know, and, and enjoy themselves. And that's what happened. So it was it really was the small, the small minority. But those people, unfortunately, do need policing. I got you. No, I understand. They're, they're always the good stories. So that's why I go there. But I, I live my life believing everyone's good. I wait for them to do something bad before before I change my mind. I, I 
it's terrible people there's so many people that walk around and just expect the worst out of people and it's that's not the way yeah 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 it's one of those sort of prepare for the worst and hope for the best kind of mind frames that's the kind of way that that, that, that i used to look at it but and, and and again it's something that i do talk about when i when i actually gave up working in security i didn't realize how it had affected me psychologically on that level because i've been in and around confrontation and violence and and it was my normal day-to-day -day life so if you think about say a dentist or a mechanic or whatever field somebody's in they are very hyper hyper involved in that particular thing that they do and so for me it was confrontation and violence and so when i when i stopped doing that it was really weird because there was this there was this few months of an adjustment period where i caught myself literally thinking about you know how I was going to knock out the neighbor if he started on me that kind of stuff which clearly he wasn't going to do um but, but I got so used to thinking about things that way that it was really a long journey to actually switch out of that that's wild that's wild did it happen it was that often that the minority people would would cause problems after midnight that it just well, got some some of the places that I worked were how should we say more colorful than others and uh, as the head doorman for a lot of those places, which means the buck stops with me. So, you know, I was the head of the team. And if there was a, a real problem, then that fell to me to resolve. And so because of that, I did, you know, I did find myself quite often having to deal with these kinds of things. And so, and so, yeah, it became, I hate to say it, but relatively normal. And that's, that does mess with you. That does change the way you see the world and how you interact with people. Um, and a lot of a lot of people that work in security have a lot of problems with it through because they can't get rid of the adrenaline. The stress is really high. So there's a lot of marital breakdowns. There's a lot of there's a lot of disengagement from kids and things and, and a lot of falling apart from society because we're literally flipped on our heads. You know, we'll go to work at 10 o'clock at night and finish at four or five in the morning, whereas the rest of the world will do it the other way around. Right. Right. Uh, what was what was key to you getting yourself out of that mindset and and clearing yourself um well firstly i realized it was quite an unhealthy way to sort of go about the world and it was unnecessary as well and that was that was one of the things it, it reminded me of a story from from previously from a few years before where um i was actually hosting a martial arts thing and we had over an israeli military guy and he, he was pretty high up in the israeli military he'd done a lot of things that couldn't really talk about and we were walking down the street and there was a couple of us and he was looking at all the windows. And you could see that he, he wasn't really totally involved in the conversation. And when we asked him why, he said that he was actually checking for snipers because where he lived and where he lived uh, and the life that he lived, that was absolutely normal and expected. And I remember thinking at the time, I'm so glad that I don't live that kind of existence. I'm so glad that I don't have to think that at any moment somebody could start shooting at me out of a window. Right. Um, and, and that really was, was a revelation because although it's not the same thing, there were similar mental processes going on. And so when I found myself doing it, I did stop and think, and I thought, this can't be right. This is, this has to change. Right. It's a, it's a it constant cloud on your shoulder, stress. You're just walking around with this heavy weight that you don't need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you, when did you transition out of the security industry? Uh, well, that's, that was again a natural progression really but but then it was forced upon me at the end so naturally obviously over the years you get a little older you get a little more tired of dealing with it you see the same the same silly mistakes being made by the same sort of people and once you've had a couple of generations of that it gets 
kind of tiring. So that was one of the things. But then you had the fact that I was moving into other stuff as well. And I had to make a decision on the life that I actually wanted to lead. And that's fundamentally one of the things that cemented it fully because I was doing a number of different things at that point. And it was a case of, well, you know, where do I see myself in 10 years? How do I want to be in 10 years? You know, do I want to still be doing this kind of thing? So that was one of the main things. But then there was an actual occasion where I was working at a nightclub and we'd just thrown this guy out. He threatened to stab another punter. He'd stolen a purse off of this guy's girlfriend. Um, he, he'd been very, very violent in the club. So we'd thrown him out. Anyway, five minutes later, he came back with a broken beer bottle and tried to hit me around the head with it. Um, didn't succeed, fortunately, but tried nonetheless. Police came, he was arrested, and I had a phone call the next day where they released him without any charge. And their words were, it's his first offence, and he said he was very sorry. So that really made me stop and think, and I thought, you know what, I've had, I've definitely had my nine lives at this. I've definitely had uh, an awful lot of luck, and I've come through it. I've got scars and all the rest of it, but but I'm all in one piece for the most part. So that really was the time when I thought, you know what, that's... I need to call this a day now before something really bad happens. Right. As you're getting older, your speed slows down. Um, the, oh, the, yeah. the kids are getting bigger. They're, they're definitely teenagers are a lot bigger <laughs> now than when I was a teenager. <laughs> so what, what did you move into after you left uh, security? Well, that was the that was the sort of natural progression because I'd been teaching martial arts for quite some time. And so essentially at that point, I was working as an operations manager for a security company in the day. And then in the evenings, I was working as a head doorman in various clubs and events and things. And I was also running a full time martial arts gym. And so I had all of those things going on. And it was the, the full time gym that, that, that I thought, well, I really want to run with this and open up my own premises properly and do it. Excuse me, 100 percent. And so, and so that's where I made that decision. And I thought that's where I'm going to jump. That's where I'm happy. That's what I would like to do. And so uh, I, essentially, I essentially left the operations manager role. I gave up working the doors. I committed fully to the gym. I invested all of my savings in it. And, and that led to, if you like, this new version of me. What type of martial, uh, how, long, how long ago was this from, from today? Oh, this was uh, 10 years ago. Okay, so you, you're actually the martial arts scene. That's kind of when it started to pick up as far as like the UFC and people being aware of it. Yeah, you had, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been teaching since the early 90s. I mean, my first sort of instructor post, for want of a better description, was uh, either 92 or 94. I can't quite remember. But anyway, it was a long time ago. So I've been teaching for quite some time anyway, but that was all sort of part-time kind of stuff. Um, I mean, the UFC came out, I think it was 93. The very first one and mm -hmm. of course that that really didn't explode in the uk for another 10 years plus so that would have taken us sort of early 2000s kind of thing um and yeah there there was more of a call for it lots more people want to do it obviously it's on all the television programs now and the films i mean every action hero now knows a bit of martial arts so that's mm -hmm. that's a given these days so there's a lot more exposure to it than there was when i started by a long way so having that Having that exposure, having that opportunity means more and more people are doing it. So, yeah, the, the option was there. Um, I wanted to take the plunge and so did. And, um, and yeah, and ended up with my own place and, uh, and a lot of responsibility. 
<laughs> okay. And for people that don't know, the UFC is the ultimate fighting championship and they're uh, the largest organization that organizes or puts together uh, martial arts fights. So the martial arts studio you started, was that called the Modern Samurai Martial Arts Academy or is that something yeah. else online? Oh, okay. <laughs> Love the um, name. <laughs> yeah. So every, everything, uh, it's like my alter ego, if you like. So um, I think Hart Clenton Superman. And for me, it's, it's, it's sort of me as a person and then my martial arts side of things, which is Modern Samurai. Now, obviously, clearly, I'm not some feudal warrior that's time traveled forward. I'm actually a rather out-shaped middle-aged man guy now. But nonetheless, um, when, I, when I started it, that's what I called my gym, Modern Samurai Martial Arts. And I wanted it to sort of project uh, a, a, a feeling of both modern, hence the term, and, but, but it was rooted in tradition. It was rooted in, it was rooted in the history and, and all the values that come with that. But it was contemporary and it was a an interpretation that was relevant today and so that's really where all the door work and security and stuff sort of came together because you can't you can't do something for tradition's sake in a setting like that if it doesn't work you've got to figure out how to make it work so tradition although is the start point and we stand on the shoulders of giants absolutely we have to adjust to make it work in the modern age Right. So what type, what type of martial arts is it? Combination of all sorts of things. Again, it's one of those where I've been doing it for such a long time that I've, I've done lots of different arts in different ways at different levels. And so I started out, um, I tried a few things. So I did some boxing and some judo when I was young. Didn't quite work out with those at the time. Moved into karate, did that for a long, long time. Really, really sort of got into that. And that's, that's if you like, my core and my base then moved into Krav Maga and Kapath, Israeli military systems, combatives, um, went back into the judo and the wrestling kind of things, done some more boxing, then got into kickboxing, full contact, Thai stuff. So a good, a good sort of mix around of all kinds of stuff. And uh, but, but basically, when you get to a certain level, the truth is the, the principles and the sort of rules, the way we move as human beings, it's the same. For the most part, we all have, you know, two arms, two legs, you know, and so we all move in a similar way. And so the only real difference is the interpretation of those principles. And so once you sort of get to that and once you understand that, then um, then you can pick these things up quite quickly. OK, how is uh, how has been operating under COVID been? Uh, challenging, I think, is a good word. So uh, like uh, like with the rest of the world, we've been sort of suffering and it's had a huge impact on business really challenging in a lot of ways um we've physically had to close our gym completely so um so at the moment i have a uh, a full-time facility that isn't being used because we're not allowed to have any people in um and it's been on and off that way for 10 11 months now so um but I mean, what I've done personally is I've, I've, I've moved everything online. I was doing online stuff anyway. I had been doing that for a number of years. And so all I've really done is, is, is moved the focus more into that. So the, the gym itself now has become essentially a soundstage and recording studio. And we do a lot of filming there. We do a lot of stuff there. So um, and, and then obviously I've is, is created a lot more time for social media stuff that I do. And I've also decided this year, which because I had uh, what some people would say wasn't any time at all. But for me, I, there was a little gap. I could squeeze something else in. So I'm actually doing a full time master's as well at the moment in the um, 
in, in the interim just to, just to keep myself busy. Masters, what's the what are you focusing on? And that's in marketing. Um, okay. the, the, I, obviously, it's something that I do anyway, and I've done for years anyway. But I thought, you know what, it would be it would be interesting to to, to learn the academic side of it, not the not necessarily the applicational side of it, because they're, they're, they're slightly different animals. But to get an academic understanding of stuff, and and it was just the challenge that I sort of set myself, and so that's. That's, That's what I'm doing at the moment and uh, thoroughly enjoying it and feeling foolish an awful lot, but, but, but having a great time. That's a big challenge. That's a lot of dedication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I have to be honest and, and people who know me will be laughing at this point because I did, I, I did sort of underestimate the level of work that would be required as you do, as you do. I mean, we all jump into these things. I mean, there's that saying, isn't it? You know, don't, uh, don't feel, that the person who's never done a parachute jump is brave actually the person who's brave is the person who's done one already and is going to go do another one and so that you know because you sort of know what you're getting and that sort of stands stands true because i have to be honest i i would never jump into a full-time one-year master's degree course running my businesses as well again I, that was just foolish <laughs> you will you will make it <laughs> yeah well that's it that's it i mean i'm, I'm a firm believer in just diving into things and and figuring it out as you go along. I mean, the world is mm-hmm. the world is getting smaller every day, and with the current situation as well. The reality of it is, is you know, we're not here long, and we're very blessed to be able to do the things that we are able to do, even though there's a lot we can't do. And so, we've really got to try and make the most of these things. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, don't let fear don't let fear stop you. That's what I've always said. I've always said if it seems like it's reachable and possible, don't let don't let fear. I you know I've started a couple of small businesses and the fear gets overwhelming and the amount of work gets overwhelming. That if you don't just ignore it and put step by step order to what you're doing, then then you know that's the way you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, embrace it. That's the that's the thing, isn't it? It's uh, and and again, these are all sort of lessons learned from martial arts, working in security, that kind of thing. Because I spent a long time teaching conflict management, teaching people about um, how to deal with their own fears and how to how to work with others within that as well in aggressive situations. So all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's really interesting because when you actually break it down, fear and excitement are exactly the same physiological things. Right. So the chemicals that go through us are exactly the same. The difference is how we interpret that in our mind. And that's based on previous experience. And so for the most part we're actually programmed which we can change and that's really where that gets like for me really really interesting because I left school with no education whatsoever I barely I barely went to school for the most part it was really challenging when I was there there was a lot of violence in the home and everything else it wasn't a great start um it worked on building sites for years and I was always told that you know you it's not worth trying for these things because that's the world that that I was in at that point and there was a lot of people that because they hadn't done it they they just said that you're not going to be able to do it either um and that you know that's gone right through it's like what you you're not going to be a black belt don't be stupid you could never be a black belt you could barely stand up stand up right kind of thing you know there you are and again the same thing you know you could never be a world champion you can never write a book you can never open a full-time gym you can never do this and each and every time terrified scared to death i mean genuinely afraid of both failure and, and looking foolish, but also more importantly, afraid that I would succeed. And then I had the responsibility of that success to live with. And that's, that's actually a big one. 
<laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. It's kind of like the I succeeded in having two kids and now I have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that brought the most stress and hardest work out of any of the endeavors I've been in. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's 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 what I mean. Sometimes it's actually the it's actually the fear of succeeding in what it is you want to do that's that's actually stopping people from doing it because it does have those responsibilities that come with it and it does change the way the way you deal with the world and the way the world deals with you i mean it got as an example of that it got very difficult with some of my old friends who were working in a job they couldn't stand who never really had enough money who were in a not a very good relationship who weren't happy with their life and then would literally work monday to friday to earn enough money to then spend the weekend moaning about every second of it and then do it again. And that became really challenging because I would say, well, actually, you know, you can do something about that. You can change it. You've just got to want to and make it happen, you know, but, but because when you start holding the mirror up like that, it makes, it makes some people very uncomfortable. And so there's that side of it, but then there's the other side of it, which is, you know, we are who we surround ourselves with. And again, it's really important that, um, that if you're surrounding yourself with positive can-do people that are making things happen, you're far more likely to do that yourself. And so both of those weighed up against one another, made it very challenging because I had to, I had to really think hard about, you know, friendships and long-lasting relationships and, and, and things like that because they do impact massively. Yeah, they definitely do. No, I mean, I right on with everything, everything you just went through. Um, a lot of the same experiences. Um, so you were talking about marketing. Uh, I wanted to switch over to your marketing. How did how did you get into TikTok? I mean, men of our age don't really know what TikTok is. <laughs> uh, well, I'm starting to learn now. Um, again, it, it was a, tr a transition that that just became part of what I did because when when you take on a small business and you all know this yourself when you take on a small business you suddenly have to wear several hats you you are the marketing department you are the accounting department you are a hr you are you know you're absolutely everything all rolled into one plus you've still got to actually do the job that you're supposed to be doing so necessity being the uh, being the driving force behind that and because i obviously wanted to have a successful business, then it meant that I had to start learning how to utilize social media, how to start um, making things work like that. And so there was this journey of becoming self-taught. And again, when we got to the stage where it was, well, I want to write a book and, and I've wanted to write a book for ages. And I ended up writing half a book, putting it in a drawer, telling myself I wasn't good enough for about three years and then taking it out again and finishing the thing. But then it was a case of, well, nobody's going to read it. I'm going to be like the best kept secret in my bedroom if I don't actually tell anyone this thing exists. And so it was a case of, right, well, how do I, how am I going to learn to do that? So in the same way that I learned to, to write the book, get the book published, I then had to learn to market the book. And then that meant that I had to learn how to market myself. And so it, it basically, yeah, it's just, it, it's just a series of stages over a period of years where trial and error doing the actual thing and then then I'd find people would ask me and they would they would say how do you do that how does that work you know and again I'm sure you know this yourself you don't have to be an expert you only need to be two steps ahead of somebody to be able to sort of reach back and give them a hand and help them out and so it was that natural progression okay how did you naturally progress to TikTok though I mean we all think of TikTok as 
you know, the teen, the, the teen girls making their short videos that everyone's watching or the, you know, the, 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 the kids driving in their cars or, you know, you don't really see older gentlemen yeah. doing martial arts and it being a popular TikTok. Actually, you do, you do. Oh. I guess that's, that's, a, that's a misconception I have and I'm sure a lot of people have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's exactly what it is. So um, when we look at that, it is, it is a misconception that people have is that it is solely for the younger generation. Stats prove now that that's not the case. And, it, um, and it, more and more older people are coming on. I say older, I shouldn't say that. More and more mature people are coming on. There you and, go. <laughs> and there's more educational content involved as well. There's a, and it's actually being pushed by TikTok. So, um, so actually, just underneath the surface, there's loads of really, really good stuff. You know, I follow things like the Washington Post as an example. They're great. I follow them. They've got nearly three quarters of a million followers and they do some great stuff. It's um, enjoyable. Yes. So there's all kinds of really good stuff on there if you look. Right? Uh, for me personally, I, I was actually late one night. I couldn't sleep. So I was sat up watching YouTube videos, as people do. And I saw a Gary Vaynerchuk uh, interview where he was talking about TikTok. And the very next day I was on a business podcast and, and we were talking about TikTok itself. And I, and I said, you know what, I'm going to have a go at this. I'm going to I'm going to have a look into it. It's new. It's exciting. And, and everybody's talking about it. And if Gary Vaynerchuk says that there's a good chance it's going to be the next big thing, it's worth listening to. So um, I sort of set myself to researching it, looking at it, you know, making sure I understood it, really taking some time to delve into the inner workings of everything and how it all actually works. Um, because I'm one of those people, I can't do something 95%. It's either 101% or not at all. I'm either all in or all out. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, I really sort of deep dived into it and then started just putting content out there. Now, fortunately, because I spent a few years now doing YouTube clips and online courses and things like that, I'd sort of, um, I, I'm reasonably comfortable on camera. And there is a skill to that, as as everybody that suddenly had to move their meetings to Zoom found out. Uh, it's there is a skill to it, and there are there are things that you can do to make your life easier. But because I had a little head start on that, uh, that 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 put me a bit forward. So so yeah, so I was lucky enough to start gaining a following, and that following has just grown and grown. And um, I now got well over three hundred thousand followers. I've got several videos that have had multiple millions in the views and um and it's dropped off a little bit now but at one stage i was getting two million views every week it was literally that's those kind of numbers is what you expect on a daytime television show so it, you know it, it's quite it's quite substantial and and it's a great platform to be on there's so many opportunities there now with regards to growth with regards to business with regards to community building and that sort of thing so when you're talking about marketing as a whole when you're talking about social media as a whole then building that community building that loyal following building those um you know those people that are that are going to engage with you and actually buy through that's that's essentially what we're trying to do otherwise you're just wasting your time i mean if you there are people on tiktok that do nothing but just do things for fun and that's absolutely fine because that's what they said they want to do that's their you know that's their goal but if there's a business you want to go on there then you have to be a little bit more specific about both your content and your strategy and what it is you're trying to achieve from it to use tiktok maybe to solidify a business you already have like how do you how do you use it to solidify your bit your business well, for me, it's a, for want of a better word, it's a pipeline, it's a funnel. It's a, it's a way to get in front of a warm audience and 
talk to them about the things that I do, answer some of their questions, solve some of their pains, you know, and to, and to, and to hopefully bring them through the journey with me. So one of the things that I did, which was really interesting, was one of the first viral videos I had that, that went to about four and a half million overnight. Um, everybody in my local area, because I, I live in a catchment area that's got three secondary schools that are local to me. Mm-hmm. And so all of the kids at the schools, the parents, the teachers, it was bizarre. I couldn't have, I couldn't have paid for that kind of advertising, really. I couldn't have. Um, saturated for about a fortnight and it drove a huge amount of traffic to my physical gym okay. on top of that when we talk about online products obviously they can go anywhere there's an internet connection and so I can sell those on a global market TikTok does that for me it's, a, it's one of the platforms where I can do that so if you think about and this is how I say this to people because obviously we don't go through specific numbers but if you say to somebody do you have an email list? Almost certainly they will say yes. And then when you say, okay, right. So if you then say, well, what's your average open rate? They'll go, oh, whatever it might be. Right? And then you say, okay, so that's your open rate. What's your click-through rate? You know, So what do you get on that? And then what's your actual buy-through rate? And, and, and each time it goes down a percent or two, you know, until you get to this end number. And I say, okay, now imagine your email list is over 300,000 strong and they're warm. That's it, really. <laughs> that's the, the probably the easiest way to explain that <laughs> okay <laughs> uh so what is authentically well that's essentially the tiktok arm of what i do so uh, i run a number of different sort of businesses and this one is the tiktok training so we offer uh, we, we offer a number of different services including where we we train staff members uh we train businesses we can create sort of strategies towards TikTok and how best to utilize that particular platform. So um, we can get people set up, we can get companies set up. So there's an online arm as well where people can access a lot of the teaching and the training under current conditions. Obviously we can't do um, face-to-face training like we used to, um, which I I, I hope we can get back to one day, by the way, because I really enjoy being in a room. I like the energy of that. So it's something that I really hope we can get back to. But um, but in the in the time being where we can't do that, then there's the online platforms. And so they, they would run concurrently normally, but at the moment it's the online stuff. Okay, what other online uh, solutions do you offer? Uh, well, there's the Academy itself, which is essentially a subscription-based model where people can, can work through that and work through the knowledge of that and, uh, and basically learn everything they need to learn about TikTok and how to use it successfully. So um, I also do a basic 30-day challenge as well, if anybody's interested in that. That's a, uh, that's a much more accessible sort of option for people. And that is, that's essentially one teaching module every day for 30 days. And we, uh, we all sort of work together as a group within that. And, and we just have a lot of fun for those 30 days while we, while we figure out how to use it. So like with every platform, it's specific in the way that it works and the, and the way that it, it relates to you. So you've got to literally look at it as a partnership and, and give TikTok what it wants for it to then give you what you want. I mean, that's essentially it in a nutshell. So if you want TikTok to share you, then you've got to make sure that you're presenting your content and your information in a way that is shareable and is also going to be shared to the right people because if TikTok doesn't know that and it doesn't know where to share you then it's going to put it out to the wrong people 
Got you. Yeah. No, it, uh, as, as the business owner, is it, is it worth your time? Is it worth somebody else's time to do all of that research on their own when they can have a service like yours that, that'll save them a lot of time, a lot of money in the end and, and bring them better results? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's fundamentally it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's if you like, a, a, a fast track route to the knowledge that you need to actually perform properly on the platform. So where can people find you? Well, the, the usual kind of ways. Uh, so you can put Matt State into any of the social media platforms and you'll find me. The same with Modern Samurai, uh, Google or any of the social media platforms like that. You can um, go on to some of my websites, so authentically.com uh, or modernsamurai.online, any of those. Uh, so all the sort of usual suspects. Okay, authentically.com, just spelled just like you have it on your... Yeah, just like it is on there. Um, that's 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 having a little bit of work done at the moment. We're we're just revamping the online course, so you may or may not be able to pull that up for a day or two. But um, but yes, authentically.com. Okay. Well, by the time this is out, it will be there. So it's for anyone who's not watching the video version. It's a u t h e n t i k l y dot com. Yeah. So if you think of the word authentic, so instead of having the the t i c on the end, it's t i k for the TikTok. Perfect. And Matt State, M-A-T-T-S-T-A-I-T dot com. Um, yeah, so Matt State, S-T-A-I-T, yeah. And so that's uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the usual social media sites. And then the other one is modernsamurai.online. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. You've done a lot. You're very knowledgeable and you were fun to talk to. Oh, no, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. I've enjoyed it myself. Thank you. Well, this has been another episode of Second Scene produced by dweebsglobal.org. Uh, we provide mentorship help to people around the world. We have over 500 mentors uh, from everywhere, you name it. Uh, free resume help, free mental health help, free any help you need. So come to dweebsglobal.org. And thanks again, Matt. Well, my pleasure.